Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of MTG Rants. I'm Tanner Grace. I am officially wired right now, as Ross is going to giggle about quite a bit, because he's been having to deal with me uh, prior to the show here. Ross, how are you doing today? Hopefully you're a little calmer and level than I am. Oh, I'm doing great. I got my exercise this morning, so I'm, you know, good for you. just feeling good. Yeah, we, we, we realized that without Versus Live, we actually just have more time to fit in basketball sessions. We have so much time for activities. <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we balled on Tuesday at like at one o'clock, uh, and then uh, we had to get it in a little bit earlier uh, today. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon, so we, uh, we did it late morning. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to make it on record. I did tweet about this, but just to make sure everybody hears that I won every single game today. Mm-hmm. I heard we, about that. Yeah, the Marvels were coming home. It was four. There were we had four people, so we played twos, and we just played one game of every combination. Mm-hmm. And it was it was me, Corey, uh, Tori, Corey's fiance, and our friend Alex, who is much better than us at basketball and just takes it easy on all of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even when it was me and Tori against Corey and Alex, which is probably the most lopsided the teams could be. We ended up winning twelve to ten, which is we, we play to eleven, win by two. So mm-hmm. I did yeah. make the game winning two. We play ones and twos, but I let's made the game winning shot at ten all. I did let's scream go. "Let's go!" as soon as it went through the net. That that <laughs> happened. That's like a that's like the accepted phrase now. You know, I, it, like, over the last like I don't know five ten years, it's just become like the like the the accepted one. So I'm it's, it's funny when I'm watching uh, when I'm watching tennis that uh, the different players will all scream "Let's go!" but in whatever language is native to them. So Rafa oh. always screams "Vamos" and yeah. Federer always screams "Ale," yeah. <laughs> but it's the same thing. I, just, I need to figure it out. Like you know, like seven different. Like, everyone knows how to say hello in like seven languages. I don't. I need to. I need to figure that or, or goodbye. You know, as Vita thing. Yeah. You know, like I need to figure that one out. That sounds awesome, actually. Uh, yeah, I've been exercising myself lately. That's a little bit why I'm wired. So if I sound a little faster or hyper this episode, I apologize. Ross knows this about me. I don't consume caffeine a whole lot, but I do use like pre-workout and stuff like that for when I am doing exercise. And so if you catch me around that time, I'm going to be a little all over the place because like, <laughs> I just don't intake that stuff otherwise. So uh, I get a little, what's, what's the right word here? Uh, a little hyper? A little yeah, I'm definitely hyper. I'm definitely little... amped. Yeah. Yeah, a little tweak. All tweaked. of the above. Yeah, <laughs> all of the above. So I've also had a uh, softball practice start up. We did our first one last Sunday. I'm so jealous. We're we're actually starting early. We're, uh, this is our uh, this is our first practice, and the games don't start till mid-April. Mm-hmm. So we're Damn. we're gonna get six weeks of practice in. Good for you, dude. I'm so jealous. Like I would move there just for that. Like that would be <laughs> that would be the way you get me there. It's like come pl- come play with the team. And like I miss baseball this much, Ross. Like I've been watching college baseball every day. That's how bad it is. Right now. <laughs> yeah, and you might be waiting a little while longer. Be, yeah, thankfully LSU is very good this year. <laughs> well, like they're good most of the time, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, but like they're like legit. Like yeah. this year, we have like three players that might go in like the first round uh, this wow. year and stuff. Like we might, yeah. We have like a we have a like a top you know player that might you know be challenging for player of the year kind of thing um we're about to play uh texas soon and they're like the number one team in the nation so like that's a really big series i'm gonna try to watch as much of that as i can um you know that's gonna lead up to uh, i got a crazy weekend coming up uh i was gonna say i have a they're called pro quest but it's a ptq uh this weekend saturday for flesh and blood and um it, it's a weird it's a weird spot for me because even if i were to qualify I'm not playing in the Pro Tour because I'm going to be working, the, you know, I'm doing the broadcast side of the Pro Tour. So there's about three or four people on my list that if I play them in the event, 
they win our match. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dream crush them, though I'm allowed to play in it. The prizes are really good. Like first place you get a random uh gold foil, which they're anyway like you can usually sell the it comes in like a like a little envelope, and you don't know what you're getting. You can usually sell the envelope anywhere from like six hundred to a thousand dollars. Like sealed, if not more. You know, because like there's there's some really expensive stuff. There's like yeah. some lower ends. It's a good game. I'd rip it open because I love the gamble, <laughs> right? But uh, the the deck I'm playing this weekend, I, I know I'm gonna get some shit for this. Like everybody's gonna love it. It's a deck we, we call it Starvo. It's like this new hero. It's uh, Bravo Star of the show. They call it Starvo, and um, it's like we we've been trying to compare it to Magic decks so people can get it. It's kind of like Tron. You're trying to assemble a couple cards together. And then you show your opponent. It's kind of like Exodia. You're like, I have these three cards. Now my next thing that I do is way more powerful than it should be. So like, you know, he he buffs it up. Like he's a he's like a big burly character. You know, like lots of chest hair or lots of muscles. You know, long flowing yeah. hair. And like, exactly your type. Yeah, and you have uh, some of your equipment. You have like this really good equipment that like one of them lets you like filter a card every turn, pretty much. Like you get to put a card from your arsenal in the bottom of your deck and draw a card. So it's like Chromatic Star. So you just have like chromatic star every turn too, and you're trying to assemble these three cards together. So like your uh, Brian Bisoko, he 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 got he qualified for the Pro Tour with it last week. Nice. And he like did the math on it. It's like 48 percent or something like that. Every he has the exact numbers like 47 point whatever. You know like to get it every turn, and then you get to also filter. So like it's pretty it's pretty close to just it's going to happen. You know <laughs> like so. I didn't realize Bisoko had those kind of math chops. Uh, I, I'm not sure if he did the actual math, he's not the number. <laughs> or if he okay? has them, okay. I'm not saying he's not a smart person, but yeah. so, Soka's obviously very, very smart, you know? like oh, It's yeah. really funny, uh, we have a Discord of, like, a lot of us really good, uh, fab players, and, like, I'm one of the worst players in the entire Discord, and stuff, but it's, you know, it's good for me to be in there, right? Like, I'm up on the news, you know, like, we've got multiple national champions in there, uh, pretty much everybody in there if they haven't qualified for the pro tour has top aided ptqs and we're all in there like throwing ideas off each other playing games and stuff so it's been sweet to like see that and be part of it and so last night we had like a, a meeting to talk about starvo and brian has been done has done just in, an insane amount of work on it and he literally put together a powerpoint presentation for it and he originally was like, yeah, I was just going to meme on y'all and like make the first page. But then he goes, and then I actually sat down for 45 minutes and made an entire thing. Cause he's like, I'm just going to actually do this. Right. And it was, it was the quietest I've ever heard of the discord. Like 10 of us were in the call and like, no one was talking. It was like, Brian was like, yeah, so this, this, and this, here's why do you have any questions here? Like it was like a, it was like a legit meeting and it was like actually pretty awesome. You know, it was like, it was like a pro tour testing meeting, you know, and you have everybody like sit down after a draft, like, Hey, what went right? What went wrong? You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You what know, cards so were like, good? Which ones underperformed? Yeah, what, so it you was know? really cool. What do you think of your archetype? And, yeah. yeah. And then Sunday, I get to kind of harken back to some of my magic chops. I'm going to be doing commentary again for the NRG series, but they're doing a team event this weekend. So I get to kind of like flex those muscles, but it's a little bit of a different one. It is, it is legacy. It is modern, but it's limited. Limited. Yeah. For yeah. The which is, I think one of the reasons they're bringing me in because I have a ton of experience in this new set and it's kind of hard to find people that are like, yeah, how many times have you drafted? Like, oh, once or twice. How many times have you drafted Tannen? I don't know, like 40. <laughs> like, like a lot <laughs> like you know um i ran into a small uh gaff the last time we were doing it we were doing limited where i just didn't think about this so we're watching them play paper magic right and doing commentary over it have you opened a pack of magic cards recently mm, i think the well, last time i opened a pack of magic cards was last summer well you know about the alternate art stuff right yeah I didn't think about that. So like I kind of like, you know, knew most cards by the site and then someone would play one. I'm like, 
I've never seen that card before. Because, you know, when you look online, like, they just have the normal art. They don't have, like, the, the crazy neon stuff that's going on and stuff. So that was, a, that was a lot of fun to deal with. So thankfully, we had a really good spotter who was taking care of everything and was really on top of their game and helped us out a ton. So that made it a lot easier. I saw that you did a little bit of a commentary for the Bash Brothers as well. And I actually listened to a little bit of it. And I got to say this. Don't take this as in any, like, patronizing way. You were really good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, I, I was the fill-in for uh, the Mana Trader series that Brad and Corey have been running the show for, uh, which was really fun to do. Uh, unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, so one of the rounds that I was supposed to fill in for ended up just not having coverage because uh, our director, Dan's power went out. It was a very windy day in Roanoke that day, uh, and he just temporarily lost power and then couldn't get in in time. and. You know, with the way Moto works, you have to be there when the matches populate in order to watch them. Um, so we just, like, couldn't watch any matches, which was awkward. But, um, yeah, no, I, I was pretty happy with how it went. I was a little nervous doing Legacy, a format I'm not as familiar with. But they, they made it easy on me. I got to watch some elves <laughs> and, yeah. and do some commentary there. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, the the good news is that I'm, uh, the plan essentially is uh, moving forward where I'm just going to alternate with uh, with Todd as the third person. So nice. uh, next month is going to be Todd as the fill-in with Brad and Corey, and then I'll be there the, the month after. So you got to see me a few more times this year. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's, it's almost like one of those things, it's like, you know, when your friend does something that you you do a lot, and you're like, you're like go best friend, you know? You're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's also, it's nice working with, you know, I was, I was, the one match I did do, I was with Corey, and Corey has a, a ton of experience now commentating because he's yeah. been doing it with Wizards, so that, that definitely made it a lot easier. You know, like, I could sort of lean on him, have him just do the setup stuff and throw things to me, and all I have to do is you know, talk about magic and that I have done for many years. So uh, that, that, that was actually like one of the main things I was looking for because that's my job, right? Is like, I'm the guy like leading the discussion, like leading the, like, you know, I'm the host quote unquote, yeah. and I'm supposed to make the other person look and sound good. And I was like, Corey's really good at this. So it should just be a layup for Ross. And it was, and it was awesome. You know, you could definitely tell that like, it just makes it easier for you. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, and that, I, that's the, I don't have that's to worry thing. about working anything in. I just think about what's going on, think about the decks. And then when questions get thrown to me, it's usually pretty easy to answer them. Yeah. It's awesome. I, th I think y'all did a great job and I'll definitely be tuning in again. Uh, what's, what's the channel for that? If people at home want to watch that? Um, I think it's just mana traders. I think it's twitch.tv slash mana traders. Uh, but if you Google you know, it, you'll find it. Yeah. And, and you know, when I'll be, I'll be tweeting out about it. So if you just follow me on Twitter or Corey or, Managed writers. I'm, I'm sure you'll you'll figure it yeah. out. Yeah, he'll be tweeting about it, about it soon. Yeah, so. Well, you know when when it's happening, which yeah. you know won't be at this point till the end of April probably. Yeah, and uh, speaking of managed traders and sponsors and stuff, if you uh, want to make sure you check out the sponsor and help uh, our broadcast, <clears throat> that is barristerandman.com. That's man of two ends. Make sure you check them out for all of your shaving uh, accessories, soap, and stuff that you'll need. I've been trying out one of the uh, the new ones they sent me. I can't pronounce the damn thing. I need to go look it up again on Google. But uh, big fan of all the new seasonal stuff they've been sending me. Like, you remember I told you about this uh, last episode where it's like, anytime they have one where they're like, hey, we don't offer this one the whole year round. Like, this one's limited. I'm like, yeah, send me that. Yeah, let me, let me, let me get some of that. I, so, I want to be special. I want to be yeah, special. I want to feel special. I want to smell special. You know, uh, like I said, for everybody else, one of the easiest ways to make friends is to smell good. So make sure you check out Barrister and Man. Dot com Ross, what's that? What's that code? That is MTG Rants two zero two two. 
for 15 percent off. Yeah, at your checkout. So make sure you use that when you're checking out barristerandman.com. Make sure you follow them on Twitter too. They've been having a pretty big uh, jump up on Twitter, and they're pretty active on there and stuff too as well. So check them out. You know, you can, you can find out when like the newest stuff goes live, the newest things you know that are available. Oh, yeah. It's pretty cool. And uh, I think we had a little bit of a teaser for everybody at home. Speaking of sponsors, uh, nothing is 100% official yet, but it's I think pretty close. Teased. It's pretty close. We have another sponsor coming, and uh, I, I assume next episode, so soon, hashtag soon, uh, we'll be announcing who they are and, and what they do. But I'll tell you this. You're, you're going to like the product, most likely. It's something that I, I assume almost every person in here consumes and we're gonna have uh you know some some codes on that they have some really good uh i'm trying to think of ways to not give this away some really good options it's really uh, good stuff <laughs> yeah some really good stuff uh it's something that ross and i uh consume as well you know I'm, 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 we've got our stuff in the mail it's in the mail ross if you know what i mean and so we got our products coming to, to try it out uh, i'm a big fan of the company uh you know they're they're based uh i'm using quotations here local to me, you know, they're, they're close. They're not like down the street, but they're close-ish to me. They're adjacent. Dr- drivable. Uh, yeah, it's a long drive, but it's drivable. But it's a local-owned company. Uh, started up by like some some Magic players. I really like their mission statement and everything they're doing. So I'm hoping that I really like their products as well, but I, I can't see myself not liking this product. I think everybody at home is going to like it a lot too. So maybe the next episode we'll have the code live and we'll have to try out some of this uh, some of this stuff beforehand. So... Uh, be on the lookout for that at the next episode. I'm uh, really excited about this one, buddy. But anyway, so it's going to be sweet. Yeah. yeah. Anything else in housekeeping you wanted to get get to before we got into the magic stuff? Um, no, nah, I think I'm pretty good. Jazz are winning, though they tried yeah. to give me a heart attack last night. Yeah, I mean, what sports without a little bit of cardiac arrest? You yeah. know what I mean? They were, up, uh, they were up 14 with about six and a half minutes to play. Against one of the worst teams in the league, the Houston Rockets, and coughed yeah. up the lead. Ended up uh, Christian Wood, the Rockets. Drama. Yeah, Christian Wood, the Rockets center, made a three as the time as the buzzer sounded to send the game to overtime. And then the Jazz fell behind by four early in overtime, which is a pretty big deficit. And uh, but came back to win from some very clutch Mike Conley threes. He scored. Uh, I think he scored like two points in the first forty-seven minutes and fifty-one seconds of the game, yeah. and then in the last five minutes and nine seconds, which is Just not the last nine seconds of regulation and overtime, he scored like thirteen. <laughs> I like forgot he was on your team <laughs> somehow. Yeah, he. Uh, I heard he, about him in a while. Well, he gets a. He got kind of a bad rap. What happened was, this is his third year with the team, and when they acquired him a few summers ago. The Jazz were the talk of that summer because that like they they didn't have a third star, they didn't have a secondary a real good secondary ball handler. Uh, like Ricky Rubio is a good player, but not a great one really, uh, and is finding more of a niche as a, as a bench player on teams now. Um, but you know, getting Conley really you know seemed like it was going to elevate the team, and uh, b- but the thing is, he had spent eleven years in Memphis. And just the same team, same system, playing the same way. And now he has to learn a whole new system, play differently, not only just from being on a different team with a different system, but also play differently because he was getting up there in years. Uh, and so he started becoming more of an outside shooter and less of a, you know, paint scorer. Uh, because, you know, as you age, you don't have as much explosiveness. You just can't get to the rim. 
as easily as he used to, especially at his size. You know, he's only six. He's listed at six one, but he might not even be that. He might be six flat. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so his he struggled in his first year in uh, Utah, and the team struggled a bit at two relative to expectations. And that was the year that ended with them losing to Denver in seven games in the, in the first round. But these last two years in, U- in Utah, he has been awesome. Like not just he's he's always been very good as just a point guard, you know, running the offense, making sure everybody's where they need to be. You know, there were, there would be games where it would be night and day when he was on the floor versus when he was on the bench. Even with Donovan as the on the floor with the the other bench units, um, Donovan has gotten better as a playmaker and is now probably even a little bit uh, he's better than Conley at certain things, um, but he's just gotten so much better as a shooter. Like he's literally one of the best off the bounce three point shooters, which is so there's you know off the dribble or catch and shoot, catch and shoot generally is an easier shot because you're set, um, but uh, and you, you've got your balance there. Whereas off the dribble, you got to have you know find your balance immediately when you launch the shot. But he's just become elite at it, like uh, and which is I was so excited last year when he made the All Star team as an injury replacement, and they put him into the three point competition. Because I knew he was going to be underrated in it, and he lost to Curry by one in the finals, uh, which was uh, heartbreaking. Curry, it came down to the last shot. Curry went went after him, and it was tie. You know, he I think he made the last two. I think he was down by one with two shots to go, and needed to make them both, uh, and made it. But yeah, no, Mike Conley is great, and they're actually they've been because he's been injured the last couple of years. He's had some hamstring issues uh, that have just kind of lingered. They are really they really cut his minutes during the regular season, and they're not playing him most back to backs. Um, so he only averages like twenty eight minutes a game, uh, and they're actually going to they're going to the team announced recently they're going to start ramping his minutes up because there's about twenty games left in the regular season, and so they they don't want to want it to be abrupt because in the playoffs he's probably going to play like thirty six minutes a night, right? So they're going to ramp him up slowly, get him up to used to playing, you know, you 33, 34. Yeah. Um, but, you know, make sure that's a more gradual transition uh, and get him ready for those playoff minutes that he's going to be playing. And Got I think, it, you know, the, the the team's record doesn't look great, but their point differential is, is excellent still. And, you know, the difference between Mike Conley on the floor and Trent Forrest, and his credit, Trent Forrest has made a lot of strides, but like the guy just can't shoot. He literally can't. So, you know, the, it's night and day when he's on the floor, the defense just sags off Forrest. And that, like, that, they, they, you know, if he has the ball, they just go under every pick. And, the, you know, how to play defense is pretty scripted. And if he's off the ball, that defender just gets to go 10 feet off of him into the paint and disrupt the, you know, weak side actions that they run. So uh, I think the team is pretty well set up for the playoffs. I'm pretty excited. Good. All right, I'll be uh, keeping track of the playoffs at least a little bit tangentially because of you. So. I mean, you'll probably be able to hear me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you're only a few thousand miles away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be loud. <laughs> it's like what I warn people. It's like when you follow me on Twitter, you're going to see some like random magic stuff, random fab stuff. But like during baseball season, you're going yeah. to see quite a bit of random yelling at umpires or stop saying the word bunt. <laughs> if I ever hear someone say bunt on a national broadcast, I'm going to lose my damn mind. Yeah. You know, or whatever. But. I'm usually uh, like on the couch in our living room watching a game and Rob's, you know, in his room uh, playing Destiny with his friends and his, that Discord group that, uh, that they're all in. They know you. They all know who I am. Yeah. But they can never tell if the Jazz are winning or losing because yeah. oh, the yelling sounds the same. Yeah, I've watched the game with you. I know. <laughs> yeah. right. Speaking of games, let's talk a little bit about magic, you know, why the people are here. And um, I think the first topic is kind of like 
maybe the most important one for the day. It's the, the hot button issue today. right now. It's definitely a hot button issue. That's a very good way of putting it. Ross, you're so good at this job. But you know, I know phrases. That's I, You've seen me play catchphrase. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the catchphrase cheat code. It's great. Yeah, yeah. sometimes you're real good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think this is a topic that you, know, you and I have definitely approached on the show many a time. We've had a really strong opinion on. But it's starting to gain a lot of traction on Twitter lately, especially with what happened over the weekend with one of the challenges not firing in this format. And that's modern. And is it finally time for Luris to say goodbye? Is Luris too good and modern? And I know you have a pretty strong opinion here. Yeah. So, you know, it was four Grixis Shadow decks in the top four of the PTQ over the weekend. Uh, you know, so every single slot in that top four. The day that PTQ happened, that challenge didn't fire. And then we had a prelim not fire earlier this week. Um, and, you know, normally modern is probably the most popular format on Moda. I, would, I mean, I, I would guess. I think that's just correct. Yeah, yeah. I think that's actually just correct. Um, yeah. And so to see that happen is a pretty strong indictment uh, of the current metagame, or at least people's, you know, happiness with it. Uh, and really it is Luris at, at the head of the line there is reasons why. Yeah, and like this is a really this is a really important thing, right? Like we're not just flippantly saying, "Oh, this challenge didn't fire." Like when you look in the past, whenever uh, stuff has really started to happen, especially in like Legacy, right? Like they leave Legacy alone a lot, but eventually it gets to a point where the players almost revolt, where they're like, "We're not going to play this shit format anymore until you do something," and then the stuff stops firing, and then a change happens. So this is—I'm not sure this is something they they see, but maybe this is one of the catalysts to really move the needle. Yeah, I generally is. So I'm I'm expecting some action relatively soon uh, if the these trends continue for much longer. Uh, and I, you know, I've been in the band Laris camp for a while. Mm -hmm. Same. Um, there are some other people that are just shouting ban the companion mechanic. Um, I don't really see the point of that. It's not like any of the other companions are doing anything oppressive or unfair. Like maybe you just don't like playing against the Orion decks for whatever reason, but. You know, those decks are not too good by any means, and it's fine to let people play with them, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And then, you know, things like Obosh and Kahira or whatever are, are fine. Like, you know, don't take away people's fun with Lutri just because Luris is too good. Because it's very clear that Luris is, you know, far ahead of the other companions in terms of power level, especially in older formats when it's just so easy and generally correct to build your deck with a low enough curve that Luris fits as a companion i mean like you've heard me talk about this before and like maybe it's a tiny bit hyperbolic but i'm almost literally meaning this when i say it that like i think as printed luris might be the most powerful card ever printed in magic or is one of like yeah a, it's like, like obviously lotus like right like obviously lotus and like recall but like the fact that you're having to make like you're having to say when i say it's the most powerful card ever printed as is and you're like well what about lotus like that right there like yeah. to tell you where we're going. Like yeah. I don't, I don't think it's unreasonable to put it at like you know number four behind yeah, it's, it's like Lotus Ancestral and Soul Ring. Yeah, <laughs> right? and then like yeah, and then the the effect it has on a game is unreal, especially when you're it, it's a companion. So it's all that's the other thing is like it's always in your hand, right? Like when it, if the original companion rules, I'm saying as printed, this card was so fucked up, like it was just so messed up. They had to ban like, it in Vintage. Yeah, they banned it in Legacy. Like, yeah. 
But look, ba- when is the last time we saw a card banned in vintage? Yeah, like actually banned? Yeah, yeah exactly. For power yeah. level reasons. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, not for dexterity. Yeah, reasons, like Shaharazad, I think, was yeah. banned. Yeah, not sub game reasons. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, wait, so wait. We leave our cards on the table and we go underneath this table to the floor and we play another <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah, that's how yeah. it works. So, and then if you play another Shaharazad, you have to go across the street to the McDonald's and right. play a game or, there. Or Waffle House or <laughs> yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever have you, you know? And stuff. So I'm pretty sure that's how the playmat got invented. Is somebody played at Waffle House and they played on the menu, the Waffle House menu, and then they <laughs> took it home. And then they're like, "Oh, we should just make mats like this." All right. Anyway, yeah. you know, I digress. And but how, how many cards can you add three mana to the cost? And it's still, still really busted. good. Just busted. It's yeah. not really good. It's busted. And like the other thing too is like, I and I, I've heard the argument from both sides, and I'm not uh, deaf to the argument of like. But, but Modern is really good right now. Because it is. I think Modern is really good right now. But here's the thing. With Luris being active, whatever you want to call it. With Luris being legal. Like, you've effectively banned three mana and up cards in every deck that wants to cast Luris. And so it's it's pigeonholed the format, right? Like, you know, like these cards, like these these decks like Grixis Death Shadow and Burn and all stuff. Like, you can't play three drops anymore, anymore because... Of the card Luris because like it's just worth so much it's so good that you can't do this anymore and right you know it's like I can see the Jun stands like yeah free Liliana you know we want Liliana of the Veil back like have you seen the price of that card recently what is it like 40 bucks it's like 20 Jesus it used to be a hundred yeah and like yeah that's like I, I'm not making the argument for oh it should be a hundred dollar card but you get what I'm saying is like it's done that much to a card you know, I remember when this card, you know, the the the, the special ones were like $200 and like you needed them to play John. And I'm not trying to, you know, gatekeep in any way here or say that, you know, cards should be expensive. But I'm just giving an example of like what it's done to the format, right? And the only cards that it like you play over it or like you're if you're playing something that's, that's cost more than three or more, like it either needs to be killing your opponent like an amulet, like Titan, or you're playing Yorion as your commander so you don't care. So you're playing Omnath and like. That's practically it. Like, obviously, I'm missing something here, but you know what I mean. Like, that's practically it. And so, yeah. like, I want I want to see a format where, I mean, like, remember when we made this big deal about um about the unbans, about you know Jace getting unbanned, and all the you know another four drop getting unbanned, and some other stuff getting unbanned, and it's like, well, those cards don't get played anymore, really, because like Luris exists, and you don't want to have that card in your deck because you have Luris and stuff. So, I. I hope that if something happens to it, the format continues to be as good as it is now, just more diverse in the fact that like your decks can scale differently. And I do think that will be the outcome should they make the decision to ban Luris. I know, you know, we, over the last two years in Modern, we've seen a lot of different Luris decks, right? So there might be this conception about the format that Luris is so good, it just makes every deck a Luris deck. Um, you know, not, obviously not literally, but... Uh, I don't think that's actually true, and that's generally not what happens with cards that are this busted. What ends up happening is you just find the best Lyris deck or decks, and those are the best decks by a lot because they're the ones that take the most advantage of the broken card. And what we've seen is the category of Lyris deck, which has been very broad oh, you know, over the last some two years, has narrowed to two, and it's Death Shadow and Hammer. And those are generally the consensus two best decks in the format, right? And it's, you know, to me, it's pretty clear why. It's because those are two decks that have a ton of cheap but must-answer threats. And that's where Luris is at its best. If you remember when Luris was first printed, 
uh, everyone is playing burn and prowess decks with it. You know, and in those matchups, like you got to kill those creatures early, otherwise you you just have no hope. And so Luris really bolstered those decks um, by you know making it much much harder to actually kill them uh, and bring them back later on. That has happened now at, with decks that are even more powerful uh, in Shadow and Hammer. And uh, you know, if you think about Shadow decks of old, like they were not particularly grindy. They generated some virtual card advantage off of their low land count. They had some Snapcaster Mages, you know, maybe some Lilianas or Liliana Last Hopes could do a little bit of grinding. Yeah, Yeah, but they didn't really have, you know, a a super strong late game. Mm -hmm. Um, Now all of them do. Yeah. That's the problem, right? Yes, and they have access to it every single game. It never mucks up their draws in terms of just curving out or putting pressure on you like, you know, it sometimes can if you just play them in your main so it really is the best possible situation for them, and it makes the, those decks both and Hammer too makes those decks so well rounded, uh, you know. But because Luris fills in a key weakness that they have, it's why you never really saw Luris perform that well in decks that had like recursive threats because they're all, that those threats are already recursive, and so Luris is just doing more of of the same. It's not really adding anything new or different element to the deck. In, for, in the case of Hammer and Shadow, Luris is adding something very, uh, you know, necessary and, and unique that those decks were lacking before. And that's the biggest thing for me, right? Like, that's that's where I run into the problem, is exactly what you're saying here. It's like, you take the two best decks that run Luris, and which might be the two best decks in Modern, right? Shadow and Hammer, right? And it's a deck with just a whole bunch of one and two mana threats, right? And when you think about that in a vacuum in Magic... Like, that's beatable, right? You run a deck with a bunch of fatal pushes, a, a, a deck with a bunch of, like, cheap removal spells and something to go over the top of it, and you'll win by because, like, by turn four, they're going to cast one or two spells but only spend half their mana, and you're going to cast a four drop, and it's going to be way more powerful than what they're doing. In general, this is a very vacuum statement, right? That's not true with the way the deck plays nowadays because it has Luris and it has these ways to, you know, kind of break the uh, the mana cost thing on a few cards as well. And it shouldn't, it's like, it's one of those things, it just shouldn't work this way in the game, right? Like, that's not how it, that's intended to work in Magic. And it's kind of breaking the parameters of, like, how mana costs work. You know, like, traditional aggro versus controller mid-range. Like, that doesn't actually, it's an aggro deck, but it's also mid-ranged at the same time. And that's where I have the problem, right? It's like, it's coalesced the... It, sorry about that, everybody at home. If you're... I just, like, jacked my mic. If you're a headphone listener, I apologize. Uh, it coalesced everything into, like, these two decks. And there's, like, no real move. And the other thing that I like about this... And it, I think this is important to talk about because it, this is this is integral to health of formats and player retention. If you got rid of Luris, I don't think it kills any of the Luris decks. Like, you can still play Shadow. You'll The deck will change. You can 100% still play Hammer if the deck will change. You know, you're going to start playing Nettle Cyst in your deck and stuff, right? You're going to start playing Swords in your deck, possibly, for certain matchups. Your deck isn't bad. It's just, it's, might not know, it, might not, uh, it might not be Tier 0 anymore, or S-Tier for the kids or whatever. You know, it might not be the pinnacle of decks, but, like, now you got to work for it a little bit more, right? Like, you got to change your deck up a little bit, make some new choices, and there you go. There's your deck. It's great, right? Like, you can still play these decks. It's not like... You know, in the past where, you know, they banned Stone Fortress or they banned Jace, like, well, your deck is, like, way worse now. And, you know, you invested a ton of money in this deck, and now, like, you invested hundreds of dollars in Jace's, 
Now, not only is your deck way worse, but you can't play Jace anymore. And yet, maybe you invested, you know, a little bit of money in Luris, but, like, all those other cards are still good, right? And it's not like Luris is a super expensive card. You know, for some people, maybe it is. I'm not, I'm not trying to gatekeep here. I'm just saying, like, I think the ramifications of it aren't as bad as some of the other cards I've seen in the past where people have bought into a deck and now they're just screwed. I, I completely agree. For, for the specific examples of those two decks, I do think Death Shadow would get hurt quite a bit. Yeah. And it's just because it would get hurt relative to a deck like Junt Saga. Like it's it's really important for those mid range decks to have that kind of attrition ability and late game potential. And without Luris, I really don't think Shadow has much of that. You know, iteration can only go so far. Whereas Jun Saga has that Ren Saga loops for the late game and a lot of other potential there. Like that's still good, right? Um, yeah. yeah, and but I think Shadow would still be playable. Um, but I think it would be it would be a larger impact on Shadow than it would be on Hammer. Um, Hammer has a lot more options for that long game. You, you know, they probably all morph towards more ingenious Smith decks too, just to get more card advantage. Um, but yeah, I agree that like they, they would still be a playable deck in modern. You could and you know uh, you could pretty easily retool it. So uh, yeah, I think that's an important part. Like this is a band that's pretty easy to do with very minimal impact. You know, Ikoria is not a standard legal set anymore, so you're not affecting that mm-hmm. that format that's as good much. Point. Um, you know, are affecting like, you know, pack sales, um, you know, there it's, it's kind of time. And I, I did also think about the potential of banning Mishra's bobble, because I do think a lot of the power of Luris is tied up the with bobble. the synergy yeah. with Mishra's bobble. But that when you think about it, the hammer deck, they often do not play bobble. Yeah, exactly. You know, right? some lists yeah. do, some don't. So I, I think if you ban bobble, it would just even more disproportionately hurt shadow and, um, you know, it would also hurt, like, DRC and Unholy Heat, which maybe you want to do. I don't know. But, yeah, but you, st- you still have uh, the blue-red Murktide deck, so, like, those cards are still playable in Modern, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, they run Bobble, and, like, they still get to use it in that deck, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's that give and take. And us making this point and talking about this, I think this is really important, right? Because you and I come from a very privileged position in Magic. And I think it's very important that we understand that and that we state that, where... You know, when you want to play in tournament, when I want to play in tournament, we have good collections to begin with, right? So we come from a position of like, I can switch decks very easily, or we know enough people or have enough social clout that we can make one tweet like, hey, I need a full copy of this deck. And within seven minutes, someone's going to be like graciously like, hey, here's the whole deck. I'll have it for you sleeved up, ready to go with tokens at, <laughs> at the event, right? In a deck box for you. And I'm like, yeah, that's I'll give great. you a neck massage before the tournament. Exactly, right, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I'll, I'll go out and get you lunch. <laughs> exactly, right? And so, like, we're, we're very privileged when it comes to this. And, like, I want people to know that I'm aware of that when I'm talking from this position about it, about, oh, it's it's not going to be that bad, right, if we ban Luris or if your deck changes a little bit. I get it that you might own one deck, right? And this is the deck you invested in in Modern, and, you know, that's your budget for, for Magic. And I, I appreciate that. I want to make sure that you know that I'm aware of that and that I understand that. And that it's hard for me to get in the same headspace as you because I've been around the game for so long and my collection is so big and I don't have that problem. So that's why we're talking about this and making this point is I think that this one is doable without crushing you and without crushing the average player. And I really, really believe that because I have been hesitant in the past to been like, yeah, we need to get rid of this card. But like it really sucks for people because look at what it's done to standard, right? The last few years, it's actually killed the format. And I'm almost directly correlating that to obviously, you know, the pandemic, MPL, whatever. But the amount of bans and like just miserable deck and play experience, I think has really hurt that format. And 
consumer confidence was at an all-time low in buying into the format that is going to rotate quickly anyway, but even faster than that, the deck that you just spent hundreds of dollars on might just get banned and then you're SOL immediately because that doesn't have the same correlation as like modern does where you're like, well, at least I still got my fetch lands, you know, my dual lands and stuff like that. That's like, they're always going to be worth money or, you know, shock yeah. lands. That my are thought seizes. Yeah. Those are always good. Right. Or you can, you can trade that for something, but like think about, you know, you're playing this deck in standard and like the namesake, you know, the card your deck is literally named after, right. Gets banned immediately. Your deck's going to tank like all of the, the peripheral stuff because those cards don't have overreaching, you know, effects in modern right so like your deck that was worth a couple hundred bucks now is worth pocket change right it's worth now like 50 dollars or something like you can't you know can't recoup your investment you yeah exactly thank you for being eloquent you can't recoup your investment right away and i think that's very important to talk about and i think that's like a very important thing so that's us trying to be transparent and acknowledge you at home you know who might not be in the same situation that we're in and coming from that same point of privilege and i want to make sure that y'all understand that we understand that but, and this this might be like the least economically impactful ban you will ever see. Mm-hmm. I, a ban of Lars. Yeah. yeah, for modern. It just, it's so easy for all the decks to just pick up and move on. And you'll probably have to pick up a few new cards, right? Because you'll be playing three and four mana cards in your deck again. So that'll be, the, like, it, the change won't be, you know, huge, but your, your, your deck will be built differently. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised in a post- uh, you know, Luris world season pyromancer, I bet would see a lot more play. You yeah. know, it's funny. I haven't been going hard on specking because I have a very bad history with it, but I have been picking up a decent bit of Liliana the veils because they're so cheap comparative to where they were, you know, just anytime I can get them like thrown into a deal or I can buy them at a really cheap rate or something like that. I'm just like, yeah, I'll just take these, you know, cause like they still, you know, get, you know, they still have some value to them. You know, it's still a playable mythic. It's still a planeswalker, but like, if Luris goes away and like Jund, you know what I'm talking about? Like Jund comes back. <laughs> like, like my deck is foil hundred percent of the time. You see me at the SHG open series, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, to, to, to get into that meme, like that card is still really, really powerful. It's still one of the best planeswalkers ever printed, you know? So, you know, that card can make a comeback. I think you, I didn't even think about it, but season pyromancer is one hell of a card. You know, what happens to the deck creativity? That deck might just become very good. You know, it's not losing anything. Because, like, here's the other thing, too. Yeah, I see. Ross <laughs> has got the big thumbs up. Y'all can't see it at home. He's a, big, he's a big fan. I'm actually a big fan of the deck, too. And, you know, I've got I've got a friend of mine. He's like, hey, I'm thinking about buying into creativity. And I was like, I actually think that's a good idea right now because of the fact that, like, this might happen. He's like, yeah, I'm looking at Amulet and creativity. I'm like, those are two really good decks right now because, A, they're good, right? Like, they can win and they're good and modern. But, B, like, they're going to survive any of the next bannings. Like, those yeah. decks are not getting hit. Right. And when the tier one decks lose a card, what happens to the tier two decks or 1.5 or whatever you want to call it? Like they move, they move up a little bit. Right. Because everything comes like regresses to the mean. Yeah. Also, specifically for creativity, like you, your control plan just gets a lot better when you don't have to contend with people's lyricists. <laughs> Where you're like, I've killed this same card seven times. Die already. <laughs> Why won't you die? Yeah, exactly. It's right? the Austin Powers meme. Yeah, yeah, why won't you die? Yeah, exactly. Like, I definitely had a game in Modern where, like, I killed something. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is the third time I've killed this exact copy of this card. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm getting very sick of this. <laughs> like, you know, this this should just go away, you know, kind of thing. So, um, overall, I, I just have to, like, like the, 
putting it all into one thing, right? Overall, I think this would be one of the healthier bands overall. Because, like, I don't think it hurts the format. I think it helps it. Even yeah. though the format is, I will admit, the format's pretty good, right? Like you said. But in the last two, three months, it's gotten A little stale, stale. a little stagnant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And th- that's good, right? Like, we've we've seen we've seen bands in the name of, you know, non-stagnation before in the past. Like, we're like, this card is probably just not good for the long-term health of this format kind of thing, right? Um Money wise, I it's a five dollar card, right? And like I get it, it's five bucks. You know, there's another card here. I get it. We 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 touched that. I don't need to go back on it. But it's a pretty cheap card overall, and honestly, I think it opens some stuff up in the format. You know, we we'd go from a few deck format to possibly a few more decks. You know, and that'd be really cool. And, and the way decks are built, I think, would become more varied. You know, you exactly. just have a lot more options than yeah. you had before. Now, you know, when Lurus and the Companions were first printed, it was fun to figure out the puzzle because we went from playing the three and four drops to now like, oh, like what two drops do we play now instead so I can play my Lurus? And, you know, people were playing Dark Confront on again mm-hmm. and, you know, some some other things they found, you know, uh, things other than Bobble to like draw cards with, main decking Soul Guide Lanterns and stuff like that. Um, and like that puzzle was fun for a month or two. And now we've caught, we've flipped it around. And it's yeah. now just saying, like, God, I just want to play my Season Pyromancers again or my yeah. Grist or my Liliana or my, you know, Bloodbraid Elves. What decks come back? You know, does Spirits come back? Does Tron come back? Like, you know, a lot of these decks that have kind of been pushed to the side, you know, that, hey, maybe you still got your cards for that. Are, are those cards playable again? Because, like, it's pretty hard to play Spirits in a format where the aggro decks are just more efficient than you, better at threats, and have Lurus, and you don't, you know, kind of thing. And I wonder if some of these decks make comebacks too, or new stuff starts happening as well. So like, you know, I can see the timing of it coming sooner than later. I can also see them waiting until they have something high impactful coming for Modern, which might be a while because they know Modern Horizons 3, or as I like to call it, uh, rotation for Modern. Yeah. Uh, might be coming or whatever. So, because like that's, that's, that's a problem too, is like, I think it was um, MTG Goldfish or whatever. Somebody put out a tweet the other day that, it was like the seven or eight most played creatures in modern have all been printed in the last like five years. Oh, last two. They've all, oh, the, last two. Besides, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the last they've all two. been printed like, since Theros Beyond Death, yeah, which was, was like, the last yeah, set before the, list, right? before lockdown. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it's because Shadow's not on the list, but every other creature that's been that's been played the most, they're all just like the last few years. And, you know, maybe we get to see some of the, the older stuff come back a little bit as that happens. And it, that's cool, right? You know, I kind of want to see what's old is new again, right? So I think overall, I hope, you know, people at home, you know, if you have your own opinion, you think we're wrong, let us know, obviously. But I think it's time. I think it, I think it's time, Ross. We could let go. Yeah, it's it's honestly, I, I think it's been time. So and it's definitely time now. And the one last thing I would want to say is I'm very happy when I see things like the community, like, actively trying to send a message to wizards from like not playing events and forcing these events not to fire or the, the people in legacy who are playing 60 basic lands. Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Doing stuff like this, this kind of organized action to really get our message across um, and, you know, force some action on Watsi's part is really cool. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's great. Everybody at home, uh, start buying your Liliana's and your uh, season pyromancers. Now you heard it from Ross. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. We're not, we're not, literally saying that but anyway um now onto something that you're actually pretty excited about uh, i know that so 
I'm excited about this too because it it kind of brings back the original days of the podcast with Pioneer having you know, I think it's it's been the it, it like if if every format had a stock, like a like a like a value, Pioneers would be like the one to buy. Everybody would be like buy 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 buy. Yeah, Jim Cramer would be on TV yeah, screaming buy buy buy. Yeah, because like the stock in Pioneers has been going up and up and up lately. Uh, the popularity's been going up. People have been playing it more. It's been getting some time on Twitch and some of these tournaments. Um, you know, we'll be playing it, or I say we, you'll be playing it, or your team will be playing it in Indianapolis. It's one of the, you know, three decks for the team tournament there. But you've been seeing a trend happening in Pioneer quite a bit over the last couple of weeks because we just had a new set come out, right? We had uh, Neon Dynasty come out. Lots of really good cards from this set. We were talking about this might be like one of the most impactful sets for Pioneer in, in memory, you know, since the, the Hornet's been announced. And it's starting, the dust is starting to settle a little bit, right? Like we're seeing clear winners, clear losers. But there's a strategy that you think is very, very good in this format. And uh, we're getting some evidence to kind of back that up here with the results from the challenges over the last weekend. Yes, but if you recall on our last um, last show, we talked about Azorius and Soul with Michiko's Reign of Truth we talked about some of the vehicle decks, which at that time were mainly Esper. Uh, and those were the, the two big ones that had emerged as far as, you know, new archetypes enabled by Kamigawa Neon Destiny, uh, Neon Dynasty. <laughs> and I do, uh, it, I do it all the time. Yeah. I do it all the time. And th- th- those decks have sort of receded a little bit. They're not, they haven't put up great results over the last couple of weeks. They're still around. They're still fine. Um, but it looks like the, the metagame has kind of reacted to their presence pretty well. Um, but, you know, it, there's also been a lot of other, you know, new fun decks to emerge. Chief among them, this Rakdos Sacrifice deck, um, which is somewhat similar to something I wrote about because I literally wrote about Experimental Synthesizer in Pioneer along with uh, Oni Colt Anvil. So I'm just going to stop and give myself a pat on the back just to start. Um, the lists that are doing well ended up being a lot less aggressive than the, one I, the ones I wrote about, which is fine. Um, just a, a sort of different strategically um, and much more, um, you know, uh, attrition based. And they're doing very, very well. The decks look really cool. They had a breakout weekend last week. Uh, and this week, you know, followed it up with three top eights across the two challenges, including a second place, which is a solid showing there. Um, and I want, you know, I wanted to note them that they're sort of the, the big, you know, new deck on the block doing very well. Um, but there is also Jun Sacrifice around still. Um, so Sacrifice decks in general doing quite well. And I just wanted to give a shout out to the Jun Sacrifice deck, which I actually think is quite good because of the presence of main deck Karn the Great Creator, uh, which, you know, shuts down a lot of what the Raktor Sacrifice deck is doing because it's so artifact based with Oni Cult Anvil and Experimental Synthesizer. Um, it you know, gets to go big then, you know, with um, what's the six mana artifact? Bolus of Citadel. Uh, you know, it's been a, Bolus of Citadel has been like in and out of that deck because sometimes it's well positioned in the metagame, sometimes it's not. With Karn in your deck, you just get to play the one Citadel on the sideboard and just find it when it's good, which is really cool. Uh, you know, the, with the vehicle decks that are still around, Karn shuts down crew, so they just can't crew their Parhelion when they reanimate it. Yeah, they can't do the main thing they're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, you know, even against the uh, against the um, uh, the Azorius and Soldex, like they can't tap their Darksteel Citadels for mana. They can't, you know, equip some, uh, you know, 
uh, ghost fire blades and yeah, shadow spears. Drum, yeah. They can't use black staff of water deep mm-hmm. to animate things. So uh, I think Karn is just a really, really well positioned card right now. Uh, so I'm, I would favor playing John Sacrifice. That's a deck that I think is very good right now. If you're you know looking for something to play in Pioneer, wanted to make sure I, I gave that deck a shout. And then on the Karn bandwagon, you know we had seen that very aggressive mono green devotion deck a few weeks ago that played like Miscutter Hydra and Old Growth Troll. There is a new mono green devotion deck that's uh, you know making waves. And this won the one of the Pioneer challenges over the weekend, and it's playing Storm the Festival. Which obviously just seems like a great card in a Green Devotion deck, um, you know, and storming into things like Cavalier of Thorns, but also four copies of Karn. So that uh, this is again less aggressive, more of that Planeswalker centric Green Devotion deck. There's a couple Nisses here, a Vivian Monsters Advocate, uh, and then three co- or four copies of Kiora, this three mana Kiora, uh, the one from War of the Spark. That's you know, whenever a four power creature comes under your, uh, enters the battlefield under your control, you draw a card. Also has a minus one untap target permanent, so it untaps Nykthos. <laughs> um, so I think this is a really cool direction to take uh, Mono Green in. Um, you know, really cool to see this deck evolving and staying around. Notably, you don't see any copies of um, Vivian, four mana Vivian. So you know, the sideboard is just a Karn sideboard. Um, they're still playing a full fifteen card Karn sideboard. I feel like I would, you know. Oh, there's one. There's one hornet nest. That's kind of weird. Why is there? Yeah, you just bring it in. I guess it's like the one card. Yeah, you, if you hate sideboarding like me. If you hate <laughs> sideboarding, this is the deck for you. Like I remember when um, the first time this deck got really popular, Aspiring Spike was the person to kind of invent it or really do well with it, right? In Pioneer, and he won like a PT. He won a big event with it online, and he joked about. It, he's like, I think I might be the first person to win a premier event without sideboarding once. <laughs> you know because he didn't sideboard the entire tournament because his, his whole sideboard is just a wish board you know kind of thing and it's we hadn't really seen that in the past even with decks that had wish stuff like burning wish or cunning wish or something along those lines and uh yeah i'm like you i, I think this deck's really good i think karn goes a great uh way in so in every deck that it's in karn has a very specific thing right it's like a combo piece in your deck that randomly has this like static ability that can shut down other decks but also it's like it's not like it's bad any of the matchups, right? A lot of the aggro decks, it's pretty good against because A, it shuts down a lot of their stuff, or it goes and finds something on your sideboard that's good in that matchup, right? Like, you go find Boat, right? You know, you go find uh, Sky Sovereign, or you find, like, Ratchet Bomb or something to, like, slow them down, right? Or Damping Sphere against the combo decks. You know, Tormod's Crypt against the Graveyard decks. But, like, it's also good against the control decks, too, because it's a threat, right? Like, you go and get a threat out of your sideboard, and then another threat out of your sideboard. You go get a Pithing Needle to help slow them down. You know what a you know what you can get on your sideboard that's really sweet that control decks hate? You have the great hinge in your sideboard as well. If anyone's ever played a control deck and your opponent's resolved great hinge before, you're dead. <laughs> you're not coming back from that. And then one of my favorites, you know, it's got God Pharaoh's statue as well. Great way to end games and keep your opponent from doing anything that they want to do. You know, so if you like Tron, those kind of decks, like the very permanent centric, lots of mana, do all the things deck, th- this is the one for you. Yeah. And, you know, this is also a deck that, you know, unlike Tron that is like, you know, play one threat, hope to win the game with it, this deck can also win sort of attrition-based games because there's a lot of incidental card advantage. You know, a a bunch of Planeswalkers, you're drawing cards off of Kiora's trigger, you have Voracious Hydra that's a two-for-one against creatures, Cavalier of Thorns that gets back something when it dies. 
Storm of the Festival, that's a two-for-one that has flashback, so potential four-for-one, and then the one Bonders Enclave in the mana base that they're playing. So a lot of incidental card advantage here. Old Growth Troll also generating card advantage against removal. And, you know, typically against Devotion decks, you want to play heavier removal because you need to take them off of permanence, keep that Devotion count down so that Nykthos doesn't run away with the game generating absurd amounts of mana. So, um, you know... While you know you're right, this deck can and wants to play that way. It isn't confined to only playing that way, so it's more versatile than it might look at first glance. Yeah, and speaking of Karn, right, and the way it's worked, I kind of wanted to back up a little bit, talk about the sacrifice decks you're talking about because they, uh, you know, you like Jund a lot, right? And this is me from like no experience playing them. Um, when I when I look at them, I actually kind of like just the red black version a little bit. It's a little more aggressive. I like that kind of style, that kind of build. I like those cards a little bit more. I'm not saying I think it's better. I like it more, right? Oh, so do I. And in an unprepared in an unprepared meta game, I would much prefer to play Rakdos. Yeah, and the difference to me it seems to be Karn, right? Like the green version obviously has like you know Gilded Goose and like some other cool cards. Tra- that Trail of Crumbs really well. is, is the big Trail one. Trail of Crumbs, right? You know, I was going to say that it's a little more centrical and getting a bunch of stuff on the board and like kind of big comboing you. But Karn is a big deal in that because you can't play Luris. And in the red-black version, you get to play Luris. And we've talked about that for about 45 minutes on the show today about how good <laughs> that card is, right? You know, talking about banning it in modern. And, you know, is this the next format where Luris really starts to take over? We don't know yet, but it's very good. It's prevalent in this format, not as, you know, format-defining as modern is. And, you know, it, it only gets better as more cards enter the format and it right. becomes easier and easier to fill out your deck list with one and two mana permanents. Oh no! They printed another good one or two dro- two drop. Here comes here comes Lurus. It's it's the it's the Delver problem in Legacy, right? Like anytime you make a good red or blue like one drop, like it's very possible it's just going to get shoved into Delver and be very good. You know, kind of like what you know the, the the Ragavan problem kind of thing. So yeah, like love these ideas, love these decks, and these aren't the only decks you can play in this format either. Too, you know, I've got uh, a buddy of mine that I talk to a lot about Magic. He's going to Indy and he's the Pioneer seat. He's been trying to figure out what to play, right? Like, he's been trying everything. Uh, he, he has the same joke that I do about Niv Delight. Every time I play against the deck, it looks amazing. Every time I play with the deck, I just <laughs> die after casting one spell. The, the trick is having Sylvan carry added on turn two. Exactly. I told him, I was like, I never cast it cat, uh, carry added. They always have it versus me kind of thing. But he's actually been leaning a little bit towards the, uh, the blue-white control deck that's been getting pretty popular uh, here lately. I don't know if you've seen that one too much. but like, I have, and, and I think this is... This is probably going to be the longest-lasting impact that Kamigawa has on the format. Yeah, and it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I think the deck's really good, and while it has some new cards that are, are sweet, like it's actually playing the, the the new Wandering Planeswalker. What is it actually called in this one? The Wandering the Emperor. Wandering Emperor. Yeah, yeah, and that one's actually become like pretty big house, right? Because of the fact that it exiles an attacking creature, you gain some life, so like that's pretty big. It does some stuff and like stays around and generates some stuff. But one of the cards that's really started to shine. In this format, it's otherworldly light. You see what I did there, by the way. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's it, a, yeah. So this <sighs> this is a it's for everybody at home, just in case I know you, I I've, I've made you speechless with my good wordplay. But for everybody at home, just in case you don't remember this card, it's new. It's X and a white. It's an instant. It's an additional cost of the spell. You can exile any number of white cards from your hand, and it makes the spell cost two less for each one of those. And it just exiles target artifact, creature, or enchantment with mana value X or less, right? And all the decks are just playing four of this now. Because it's a four-mana instant that answers permanence and exiles them, which is very important in this format. And this was like, you were telling me beforehand, you think this was like a very important card, the fact that like, this is something the deck just needed. Like it needed this effect, like a really good instant speed removal spell that hits things. Yeah, Azorius Control in Pioneer has really lacked good removal. 
you know, they have Azorius Charm, which is not good, that good for a Pioneer power level format. They have a bunch of great counter spells, excellent Planeswalkers, Memory Deluge, uh, you know, Supreme Verdict. Every aspect of this deck looks really strong. And then you look at the removal that they have, and they're, you know, you know, reduced to playing main deck portable holes. For a while, it was Silk Wrap, you know, just really weak cards. Uh, and that, that, you know, the especially the enchantment-based removal, there, it's so much easier to, to answer enchantments than it used to be. Uh, so those cards just become super vulnerable. March of Otherworldly Light is, you know, a clean answer. It's not the most mana efficient, but you don't always need it to be. You know, oftentimes you're on the play and you can just answer their one drop for two mana on turn two or their, uh, their two drop on your turn three and be fine. Uh, you know, if you really need to, you can pitch a card to it because you're drawing a bunch with Narset and Teferi or what have you uh, and Deluge. So, you know, not the worst there. Uh, and dealing with pesky artifacts and enchantments. You know, so now you, you, you know, Portable Hole was good because it could also exile things like tra uh, Trail of Crumbs and now um, Oni Cult Anvil. March does that, that, you know, does that as well. Also answers, you know, bigger things, whatever they might be. If it's a wish target off of, um, off of uh, um, Karn and a Zika's Chariot that is problematic, um, you know, a, a huge range of things that this card can answer. So, uh, you know, it being that flexible makes up for it being a little bit mana efficient, uh, inefficient uh, as a one for one. And if you really need it to be mana efficient, it can be by throwing away a card or two. So. Yeah, this really is the removal spell that Azorius Control needed. And now I look at the deck on paper and it looks great. It's All of its answers are super flexible. Um, you know, its card advantage is really powerful. It still gets to play Supreme Verdict, which is just such a uh, great sweeper. And, you know, really, I think it was it's actually important for this deck to stay Azorius rather than playing a third color to get to play something like Fatal Push or, or you know, or a piece of red removal because it helps your mana base so much. You know, when you're Azorius, you get to play your Field of Ruins. You're one of Ajanjo, a Hall of the Storm Giants. There's castles. You know, I'm, I'm counting yeah. in one of the lists six different utility lands in a, in a 27 land mana base. Um, and that was, a, that was a big thing for me is like, you, you've had problems with that in the past, right? When you play a control deck, so like you leave man up and your opponent doesn't do anything, then like you don't do anything, right? And like you don't have, and like this deck doesn't have that problem. There's so many lands that do things in this deck. Yeah, it's cycling irrigated farmland, using utility land, casting, uh, you know, memory deluge to draw cards, cycling sensor, casting the wandering emperor, and starting to you know put pressure on the opponent by making a two-two token and pumping it, uh, and that you know that gives the deck another another you know sort of odd angle of attack that it can now put on people who really try to slow down against you, in addition to being a defensive card. So. Yeah, that's another, you know, good element to this deck that, uh, you know, it really punishes people that are trying to, you know, buy time and set up one turn where you can overload their mana and slip something underneath the counter wall. And there's plenty of that this deck can do to make sure that you're never going to get us to a situation where that's profitable because you're falling too far behind in the meantime. Yeah, exactly. Right. And like, this is a deck that I kind of gravitate towards a little bit. Like I, you know, I, I used to be a pretty big control player in the past but over the last few years i've definitely shied away from them because of the power of decks you know that have luris or thought backed up by any kind of you know threat 
you're not going to do a whole lot with your mana, right? This deck doesn't have that problem as much. You know, you've got a lot of staying power with these Planeswalkers like you were talking about. The lands are really, really impactful in the fact that almost every single one of them does something. Besides your basic lands, every land in your deck does something. You know, besides just generating mana, which is really good. And now the the removal is really good, and some of your counter spells you even cycle in this deck with Sensor, because that, that's a really sweet, and I love getting... It's a, it's a good personal moment when I get to Sensor someone for value. I, I love that thing. So overall, I think it's a really good choice for that weekend if you can get your uh, matchup good against uh, the Sacrifice decks. You know, I, I would play test that matchup a little bit. That is, that's not one you want to go into too cold uh, this weekend. But, you know, you have really good cyber cards and, like, rest in peace and stuff for this format. I mean, for that matchup that are really good as well. And I just think overall this deck looks like it's in a really, really good spot. Even some of them we've seen have been playing a copy or two of Farewell, you know, to kind of just have that reset button to sweep up everything. And here's the thing. This has been the best six-mana answer that, like... Because in the past we've gotten the six-mana cards or seven-mana cards that destroy all the permanents in play, right? Destroy all non-land permanents. But this one, you can choose... Like, hey, I want to remove artifacts, creatures, and enchantments, or artifacts, whatever, and graveyards. Like, you can kind of, you know, if you have an enchantment in play that you want to make sure it survives, you know, like if you are playing Portable Hole or something along those lines, right? Yeah. Uh, you can, or, or if you you've hardcast a Shark Typhoon. I was going to say that. Or if you resolved a hardcast Shark Typhoon, like Twitch chat loves so much, you can play around that kind of thing. Thankfully, they didn't put Planeswalkers on here because I think that would be a little too good because you can just be like, all right, kill everything other than my Planeswalkers. You know, but, you know, having that flexibility, pretty important. I think this deck's great. It's definitely one of the choices that, uh, you know, this is kind of us giving everybody at home, we haven't noticed, we're giving you kind of ideas to play, what to play in Pioneer uh, for SCG Indie Con, which is rapidly approaching, by the way. That's yeah, getting only a couple weeks. Close. Yeah. And um, I was going to say, do you know Do you know for, for sure what seat you're going to be in for Indie? No. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> not not Pioneer, Legacy. Right. It's Pioneer. One, so Pioneer is one of the Yeah, Pioneer or Modern. Right. And so it's, I think it's pretty much going to come down to what Todd wants to do, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, so you're, you're just going to be flexed. Unless you're like, hey, I want to play this deck kind of thing, right? So do you know what deck you're like... Well, if you, ha you had to pick right now, which one are you doing? Are you playing Jund? Yeah. That's that, simple? You're that, yeah, that, Jund? that's the top of the list right now. Uh, I think the deck's, you know, powerful, flexible, uh, has... You know, I think Karn is really well positioned, and and it's one of the better Karn decks. Mm -hmm. Like, it, you know, being able to find that Bolas of Citadel, you also get to play like an Azika's Chariot as a big threat in the sideboard. You get to play one Witch's Oven in the sideboard if you need it to set up the Cat Oven, uh, you know, loops, uh, and you use main deck three of them. So yeah, it, it it's a it, it and then it you know it doesn't go full fifteen. It's like a you know seven card Karn sideboard, and then you get the the other half of it. So. Uh, yeah, that that that's my my number one. There there is a deck that I I like and I would try. Um, is this but the deck I think it is. is it yeah, the this is deck? yeah, this is the Boros artifact aggro deck. Um, you know, it took uh, six plays from Quiniac, uh in one of the Pioneer challenges, and I've seen uh, Todd played on stream. I, I watched him five zero league, and the deck looked unbeatable. Um, yeah, it looks really good. Yeah, yeah, look, it's a really cool you know Boros aggro deck. But playing Toolcraft Exemplar and Inventor's Apprentice and a bunch of artifact creatures. So Hotshot Mechanic, just as a, a, there's no vehicles. This is just Savannah Lions. It's an artifact. Voldaran Epicure, Reinforced Ronin yeah. as, you know, an aggressive artifact threat that, uh, you know, later in the game just digs towards more lethal burn. 
There's one copy of Bomac Courier in this list. I've seen lists without it. Um, and then four portable holes as just a removal spell that also helps, you know, these minor right, synergies. Yeah. And then a bunch of burnt. It's Skewer the Critics, which is great with Epicure, by the way. Uh, Boros Charm, uh, you know, a, a great burn spell that also just protects your creatures. Play with Fire. And then four copies of Shrapnel Blast. Yeah, so, all the most efficient ones in the format, right? Like the yeah. most damage for their mana. You look at a Boros Charm and Shrapnel Blast and then Skewer for one. You're looking at the most efficient burn spells in the format. Yeah, this is a deck that, you know, regularly kills its opponent from double figures with burn. So, you know, you really do have to answer this deck's creatures very quickly or you're going to be under the gun. Um, you know, gets to play the great uh, enemy color mana base, so the two colors is not a problem. Has Luris as a companion, just, you know, without even Slide trying. Cards. <laughs> yeah. And, I like this deck a lot. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you how good Reinforced Ronin is with Luris when you just get to channel <laughs> it, draw a card, and cast it from your graveyard. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That is really cool. <laughs> then it goes back to your hand and you get to do it again. <laughs> you know the other you know the other cool part about this deck is? And I think most decks in this format kind of fall under this, but this one's relatively cheap. Like, you know, Pioneers are like cheaper non-rotating format option right now that's the best you know because it used to be modern was pretty good about that but the price of the decks are getting up in like the multiple of thousands now in some of these decks and this one overall like yeah there's a you know a decent bit of rares in here but there's not a ton of mythics you know i'm looking at a bunch of commons i don't in, like, i don't think there's a single mythic yeah i don't think there's a single mythic and then you know these lands they're not like super expensive either and if you've ever played one of these decks in the past, you might still have a lot of these creatures sitting around. You know, you might still have your Toolcraft Exemplars, you know, your Inventor's Apprentice, your Skewers, your Boros Charms sitting around. If you're an aficionado of that kind of thing, you know, if you like the attack you kill you plan, or I'd call it the, the Tom Ross strategy, <laughs> the really efficient creatures followed up by some very impactful cheap instant or sorcery, right? To pump them or to kill you with burn spells. I like this deck a lot. I like the way it looks. I like the way it plays. It punishes every mediocre draw in the format. If you don't have your best draw, you are dead when you're playing against this deck. So I uh, definitely think this one is a uh, a dark horse to be a, a pretty good player in this format. And it's like the evolution. It's like, I feel like the red aggressive or red white decks have been like the most different from the beginning in this format. In Pioneer, because, you know, like we couldn't find the right one and they changed drastically every couple months. You know, hey, here's a different version. Here's a different version. And uh, I didn't have this, you know, in my mind coming from the new Kamigawa set, but Shrapnel Blast got a pretty big upgrade here in this format. And I remember thinking about that a tiny bit at one point, but, like, when you put this many more playable artifacts into a format, because, like, here's the big thing, you know, we talked about, like, oh, there's Hotshot Mechanic with no nothing to pilot, right? It's just Savannah Lions, but it's Savannah Lions that's an artifact, which is a big deal when you have Inventor's Apprentice and uh, Toolcraft Exemplar and Shrapnel Blast in your deck. So this deck really well thought out and synergistic for an aggro deck yeah and that's usually you know difficult to do because with an aggro deck you're so concerned about your curve and you have so much space with all these burn spells that you want to play when you're a red aggro deck so uh yeah when i saw this deck i i i just kind of smiled i was like this is sweet this is the kind of deck that i'm mad that i didn't think of yeah you're like <laughs> man i mm. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it on, on Goldfish, and it says tabletop $190. And yeah, over half of that is in Inspiring Vantage and Sacred Foundry. So if you've picked those up over the years and already own them, you know, this deck is going to be dirt cheap. Mm -hmm. Also, still talking about the format and other decks that are viable, uh, Phoenix did well 
big surprise you know like it's a, it's a deck that's been around forever you know it's the it's the chart of course deck in the format even though you know sometimes you're not even seeing uh i'm sorry i said chart of course it is the treasure cruise deck of the format even though we're seeing that like some of these decks aren't even playing four or even three copies of it anymore because you're playing stuff like temporal trespass and stuff like that but uh these decks really really good at going long and doing broken things you're seeing you know um pieces of the puzzle becoming four ofs in this deck galvanic iteration really helping out on these huge turns late in the game to make sure that you're casting enough spells to return your phoenixes from the graveyard and uh yeah it's i can't ever fault someone for picking this deck right if you're good at it it's a great choice it won a challenge over the weekend it's just been it's like the delver of the format and the fact that like it's just been there forever you know it's just it's it's there you need to respect it and is this another deck that like you know, otherworldly light just becoming another kind of card that's really, really good in these formats. And the fact that, like, it exiles, but even against their best draws, where they, like, attack you with a with a Phoenix extremely quickly, you can pitch a white card in otherworldly light it because it's probably worth it just to get the damn thing off the board now in the turn. Because here's the thing. You need to be careful how you time your otherworldly lights against Phoenix because if you let them untap and they attack you with a Phoenix and you try to otherworldly light, they might kill their own Phoenix in response. You know, they have, yeah, they have removal spells that are bad game one, especially, right? Like Fiery Impulse is a four of in their deck. And if you're playing a deck with Otherworldly Light, usually you're playing, you know, Azorius Control. And that card doesn't really have too many good targets other than like, can it hit a Planeswalker? It doesn't even hit Planeswalkers, yeah. So like, they're going to find a use for that card. So make sure you're a little careful with that. But yeah, that's another really good choice. And I got to say this, man, I'm, I'm kind of re-falling in love with this format. Same. I think Pioneer is awesome right now. There's so many different decks. I was worried when they printed Consider that Consider Cruise decks would become too good. Uh, and Phoenix for a while looked like it might do that. But it seems like the format has reined it in. It's still very good. Definitely one of the best decks in the format, but not far and away the best deck, especially with all these powerful synergies that have been uh, bolstered by Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. So... Uh, yeah, between the different sacrifice decks, mono green, uh, you know, blue white control, Bor there's Boros heroic, there's Boros artifact burn, there's Niv Mizzet decks still around. Uh, I've spirits I've seen pop up recently. Um, you know, uh, Lotus Field is definitely one of the best combo deck at this point. I th you know, I've talked about Ascendancy before, and that was a deck I liked for a while. I'm pretty low on it now. Uh, I just think the rest of the format has sort of caught up to it in power level. Uh, and now March of Otherworldly Light is such a great answer out of the control decks for your ascendancies. Um, and that, that's very awkward. Naya Wynoda, I think, is really, really good uh, and still kind of underplayed. I think people just don't like that deck. So, so a lot of people are just like, yeah, I know it's good, but I really don't want to play it. Um, Orzhov Vampires, Orzhov Auras, you know, these are all decks that if they want to challenge, want a PTQ, I would not be at all surprised. So... You know, when that list is 10 plus decks long, you're in a really good spot. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, let's talk about SCG Con Indie just a little bit more, right? You know, we're kind of leaning into that. You know, you and I will both be there. That is confirmed. So if you're listening to this and you've ever wanted to meet Ross and I, uh, I'm sorry for the disappointment you're going to feel ahead of time. We'll apologize for that, but we'll do our best, you know, in, uh, in meeting you. We, we will have some stuff to give out to as well. Some some nice giveaways. I'm working on another giveaway at on site that I'm trying to make happen. I'm not going to talk about it yet because I can't guarantee it. So we're trying to make that happen, but that would be Saturday and Sunday, Saturday and or Sunday. It will not be Friday, but Friday we will have goodies to give out. But 
Lots of things going on at SCG and Decon. Let's, let's talk for one second about the non-magic stuff. There is a calling going on from Flesh and Blood. I will be there doing the commentary for that event. So when you see me, I'm going to be a little dressed up, a little busy, but I'll make time to say hi as much as I possibly can. So if you're really looking forward to saying hi to us, Friday is the best day for me, but I will try to make time as much as possible because I am going to be working while I'm there. So please keep that in mind, and I will try to give you as much time as I possibly can. But in between rounds, every now and then, I might be short with you because I just want to turn my brain off for a second or two because that job is draining. Um, other than that, you're looking at the the big tournament for the weekend, right, is the team event. Um, so for everybody at home, it's, it's Legacy Pioneer and modern for everybody so uh we've already talked about two of those formats legacy do whatever <laughs> pick one of the powerful decks play it have somebody that knows what they're doing with it i recommend delver obviously <laughs> you know but there's a lot of other cool things that can go on but just make sure you have a good time too as well you know us getting to go out there be responsible be careful you know uh, if you're not feeling well don't show up wear your mask you know be ready. Like, I'm getting my booster uh, after this weekend because I have, you know, work this weekend. I, I couldn't get it the last couple of days because I wanted to make sure that I was okay for my events this weekend. But I think Monday morning I'm going to get my booster. Hopefully I won't have too many adverse effects from it. And then I'm just ready to go. And I'm really looking forward to Indy as well, Ross. Oh, yeah. Indy has long been one of my favorite stops mm -hmm. uh, for Food's tournaments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The food is excellent. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, if, if you want... You know, food wrecks. You know, ask about that in the, in the food uh, you know section of the Discord. Oh, for sure. Uh, and yeah, we'll be sure to get back to you because there are definitely a few places that I always hit up when I'm there, uh, and I'm looking forward to doing it again. And I just like that the Indy has their convention center right in the middle of downtown, mm -hmm. so you can go do things. There's also the mall right there. So if you're like me and you always forget something like, oh, shit, I left my deodorant out of my toiletry bag or, you know, I don't have, you know, this or that. You can just get it at the mall. <laughs> it's very nice. I remember I uh, the first time actually I, I went to Indy, I guess this is technically the second. Um, but the, yeah, the second time I went to Indy, I uh, like lost my phone charger or it broke one of those two. Uh, and I just like went to the mall on Monday before I flew home and just bought a new phone charger. I was like, this is very nice. Most, and a, and a lot of, at a lot of sites I would just be screwed or I would have to buy one at the airport for like $700. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I'm actually going to jump into the mailbag here for a second. Cause one of the mailbag questions, uh, directly correlates to this, to these two things that we're talking about. So let's go ahead and get the mailbag out of the way. Uh, this is from George Dab. He says, for future team events, since Legacy still appears to be a hard format to push outside of Eternal Weekend or Standard being mostly on Arena, do you think a push for Popper or Sealed is correct for a third possible format, with Modern Pioneer being the other two? Um, for me, I like having Limited involved. It does present problems just like all the other ones do. You have to find a Limited player, um, the actual physicality of doing it is different because like, you have to show up for extra amount of time, right? Like, the sealed pools need to be distributed and built. And then in the top eight, they have to actually draft. So it's like another hour of stuff they have to do. Popper, I'm not seeing. Honestly, I hate to say that for Popper fans out there. I just can't see it being big enough to be the third format in a huge event, right? And so I think the form, the two formats that make the most sense to me are the ones going on SCG Con with Legacy Modern Pioneer or the one that, you know, you kind of mentioned to your modern pioneer or modern legacy and sealed. Some some kind of those four. 
Yeah. When it comes to, I, I don't like the idea of limited as much as I like limited. Um, you know, the, the extra you know, logistics for the tournament is a big deal. Um, it, and we know from years of experience that it's just not very good for coverage. Um, so I think you, you would, uh, you know, I guess for a lot of these events, there isn't coverage. So, um, but hopefully, you know, we'll get that back. Well, there, there's coverage, <laughs> but I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it ends up just kind of being a little bit, I think it ends up being awkward having one limited match out of three. I, I personally like the idea of popper. I agree that it's not that popular right now, but if it got some support and somebody tried it out, I could see it really gaining in popularity um, because it's a pretty attrition oriented format that tends to be pretty popular. Um, also, you know, I think there's, I think there's a lot of teams where they're just like, I would love to play this event, but none of my friends have a legacy deck because they all cost $7,000 and popper while it's not, you know, super cheap because some of the old cards that, that people play uh, end up being somewhat expensive, but it's a very accessible format especially relative to legacy. It's, you know, I imagine it's also significantly cheaper than modern. Um, yeah. So it would be really cool to, to see that and have, you know, more people have access to these tournaments, especially if it's teams of newer players, because it's the newer players that aren't going to have, you know, the dual lands and the legacy staples from years ago, like you or I might have. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I think Popper personally is a great idea. It would take some risk on the part of whatever TO is doing it, because I think you would need to try it for a few months at least and try to really build excitement in the format. But the the long-term benefit could very well be there. So I'm kind of liking that. It has a logistical problem for me as well. And that comes down to the secondary market. So when you play the other three formats or the other four formats, you can just bring staples of rares and mythics and stuff. You don't have to bring these obscure commons that you aren't guaranteed to sell. Uh, the margin is higher on them because the cards are worth more money. And then with sealed, you're guaranteed selling product, which is you know a good thing. It just gets rid of product, right? Which is nice. Like you're getting an inherent uh, money off that. This is my business end thinking. You know, this is the kid that went to business school that's thinking about this kind of stuff. And that's the thing that, for me, will shy most people away from playing Popper at, like, a big level. I'm not saying it'll never happen. You know, it's a, it's a cool thing every now and then. And then if it's going to happen, it will definitely happen at a team event where you at least have the other two formats able to push secondary sales. Because when it comes down to it, the main reason these events happen is to buy and sell Magic Arts. That's what it all comes down to. That is true. So that's a big part. Uh, really like the secondary question, and you'll see why I kind of brought it up now. This is from Chef Petro. He's saying he's going to Indy to eat and play in the 5K. I like how he says eat first. Love it. Uh, first day off in 60 days. Good Lord. Uh, need top historical dinner picks. Already have a new new places to eat at uh, list, and he needs you to make fun of me already. He's locked in a pick of Vile Goblins for Modern. Okay, LOL at Vile Goblins for Modern. Jim Davis is loving you. Um, I have no idea if that deck is good or not, but I want to assume that it's not Tier 1. Well, I, too, I I went on Twitch earlier today and watched for about an hour while I was eating lunch. And I I chose to watch Todd, because I like watching Todd. Uh, but I also often watch Aspiring Spike, because he's great. And his stream title was, it was something like Goblins Best Deck in Modern. You know, something to that effect. So, 
if he thinks it's the best, like, you know, maybe he's being a little hyperbolic there, but he's playing it. He definitely thinks it's competitive at this point and he's played it before. So maybe there's something there because I generally will, uh, you know, defer to Spike's, you know, expertise on the state of modern, you know, so much experience with so many different decks and, you know, is playing the format literally every day. Um, so yeah, there definitely could be something there that the deck is, is that deck is pretty good. You know, it has a good combo, has a good resilience, has some good interaction with munitions expert. Um, I win button, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so there, there's a lot to like there, you know, Oh, uh, you know, I could see that deck doing well. Uh, Chef, make sure you come up and say hi. I know we, you know, saw each other in Vegas, but make sure you come up and say hi to, to Ross and I. We have some stuff for you, and uh, maybe you can give us some some eating recommendations. But if anybody wants some good recommendations, it's Chef Petro P E T R O in the Discord. At him, I'm sure he'll love talking food. He's very active in the food section of our Discord. His pictures are legendary. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely love the stuff going on there. So uh, any other advice for people going to Indianapolis in a couple weeks? Um, um, I don't know. You know, there, hopefully you have things booked at this point and yeah. that, that'll March be fine. Um, yeah, Mar- yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be nuts there. Yeah. It's going to be a madhouse. So uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that's my one piece of advice. Hopefully you have everything booked already because <laughs> yeah. otherwise it might be a problem. Yeah. You're gonna have, you're gonna be a little further away. Uh, check Airbnb. I think that's like where most people are having success right now. Most of the close hotel rooms are very expensive or booked up already. So make sure you check it out. Uh, lots going on besides just that main event. I'm trying to pull it up right now. Give me one second. So there's the twenty the twenty five k team constructed. Also, um, I know we talked about this on the show for a second, but if you're in town on Friday and your team is there, they have trials that you can play on Friday where first place gives you a buy round one of a tournament. And I cannot stress enough how much that's worth if you actually are one of the teams that they get that and they give out other, other prizes as well um there is a modern 5k which jeff petro had alluded to that's going on on i believe sunday at 9 a.m and uh yeah that one's actually got cash prizes which is you know pretty nice for a sunday event at one of these big events it used to not be cash prizes in the background there is a battle hardened going on for flesh and blood as well it's just a giant ptq with a bunch of money uh added to it and really really good prizes as well there's also a pioneer 5k and a legacy 5k going on the weekend so all three of the formats that are going on in the team event are also going to be happening as a 5k on sunday ross i think this is going to be a madhouse i think there's going to be three thousand people there oh just like total through everything Mm -hmm. um i think it's going to be i think there's a chance it's the biggest calling of all time though i don't know if it'll actually hit that but i'm expecting over 500 people at the calling but i wouldn't be surprised if it's like eight or nine hundred and then I'm expecting, you know, close to two to four, like two to 300 teams, if not more, for the actual main event. So you're looking at, you know, 1,500-ish people, if not more, just for that. And then usually there's double whatever is actually playing in a tournament. People like playing Commander, playing the side events, playing the 5Ks, you know, coming to hang out and that kind of stuff. Just because people want to do this and want to go, want to sell their stuff, want to play on the side. So I'm expecting this to be very busy. Uh, this weekend so make sure you uh, make some reservations if you want to eat at this specific place i think that's another big piece of advice i can give you and uh you know plan ahead for anything that you that you want to do because it's going to get a little nuts uh that weekend and i'm looking forward to it um yeah it's going to be absolutely absurd so i am uh (laughs) i am looking forward to it but i don't know 
I'm a little bit uneasy with how busy everything is going to be. It's yeah. weird how these tournaments are all happening on big weekends for that city because, like the the one they just announced in Pittsburgh, is the weekend of the marathon there, yeah, and apparently maybe. that's like huge and is going to make things way more expensive. So I'm not sure, but what I think is is like nothing else is booked during that weekend because of the fact that's going on, and so the prices have dropped, and so they've booked it because it's cheap because like we're having the same problem with some of the flesh and blood uh weekends at certain places it's like like one of them got booked in europe during eastern weekend in a very devout country so like a lot of people are really mad because they're like i can't go to the thing in my own country because i'm you know i'm i'm celebrating uh, easter that weekend and stuff so i think a lot of it has to do with that lots of crazy stuff going on we're just gonna have to make do and make the best of every situation that we're in and i'm hoping to see you you know you listening at home you in your car you uh, out for your jog or your morning walk listening on your phone. I'm hoping to see you there in Indy. I thought Tana was talking to me there, and I got all excited, and it turns uh, out Ross, I'm just chopped liver. Ross, you know I'm super excited. I have a huge hug that's been uh, building up for, <laughs> what, about two years? When's the last time we saw each other? I honestly so, can't tell you. It's been two years at least, right? Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, so I'm uh, super excited to see you in person, get a big old hug, you know, maybe maybe a little bit of a kiss. We'll see. Maybe order some insomnia cookies. Yeah, just don't throw the milk at me this time. <laughs> and, uh, for multiple reasons. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah. No well, promises. Course, yeah, no, yeah, that's what I was about to say. You, you see, everybody at home heard him say nothing, right? So, um, <laughs> but anyway, we hope to see you all there. Make sure you come up and say hi to us. Again, we'll have some, uh, some goodies to hand out to you. I'm working on some extra goodies to hand out. So we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. But at the least, we'll have some tokens for you all. We'll sign them too if you want. Um, I can understand if you don't, you know, but like, Make sure you come and get some of that stuff from us. Come say hi. Even if it's just to say just to say hi, and then you got to go. We get it. You're busy. We're busy. But uh, don't be shy. Make sure you come up and say hi to us. But we'll see you all in Indy. Um, we'll have probably another episode before the actual event itself, so we'll talk some more about that. We'll have some good food recommendations. We'll have some better deck recommendations, or at least Ross will. And uh, he'll tell you about some of the other stuff that he's got working on in the future as well. I've been privy to a little bit of that information, and it's pretty cool. And then maybe we'll be announcing our new sponsor as well on the next episode but for this episode thanks for listening for for ross and me uh just thanks for being here we really appreciate it and we've we've missed y'all and we can't wait to see y'all in person but ross if people wanted to hear a little bit more about you where would they go you can go to my twitter i'm at ross hunteds uh that is the best place to keep track of all of my magic content and things that i'm doing uh, I have yet to announce, as, as Tannen said, exactly what my plans are vis-a-vis coverage. I'm taking a little bit of a break here uh, through the month of March, uh, but I will be making an announcement before Indy. Uh, some of the things won't kick in immediately, but I will make the announcement and, and make public everything that I have planned. Um, so that, yeah, so that will be coming soon, uh, and, and you know you'll see it on my Twitter first. So that's the best place to go. Once again, I'm at Ross Hunnids. And then uh, along with that, my stream will also be returning hashtag soon. Um, I've gotten my my desktop looked at. We have now determined that it is not the power supply. So it is almost assuredly the motherboard. So now I've got to go buy another motherboard and install it. And um, So that, that is part of my to-do list for the rest of this week. Um, so that should be happening. Uh, and if you want to uh, drop me a follow on Twitch, uh, just so that you know when I start going live again there, I am just Ross underscore Miriam on Twitch. So those are the two places you can find me. Tannen, 
if people want, you know, some worse restaurant recommendations and, you know, maybe uh, some rants about why there is no baseball, where can they go? Fuck the owners. All right. Anyway, excuse me. Uh, you can follow me on Twitch under Tannen Grace and on Twitter at the Tannen Grace. Uh, lots of tweets about fab, magic, baseball, all the things that I'm really interested in in life and some other things as well. Uh, if you like dog pictures, really cute dog pictures, I'll put one of those up about a, every week. So make sure you follow me on there. Follow the cast on there as well as MTG Rants to find out when the new episode goes live. You also, you'll also see all of us uh, tweeting about the new sponsor as well relatively soon. So make sure you're following us to see that because you're going to get a really cool product at a really, really good price. Um, for Barrister and Man as well, thank you for supporting us as always. Make sure you check out their website. It's barristerandman.com. That's MTG Rants 2022 for 15% off at your checkout. So make sure you check that out. And then come up and say hi to us in Indy, like I've been saying. But for this week's episode, that's it. From Ross, from Tannen, goodbye. We'll see you all in Indy. Indy.